When I was asked to preach, I wasn't quite sure what to preach on. And I, I asked God. And he kind of just started showing me a little bit about how I've arrived here today. And honestly, I could have never planned or dreamed of being here in front of you guys today. And when I look back on my life, I see that there are certain moments in my life where God was preparing me to make a certain decision. And usually each time I had to make a certain decision that changed my life completely, I was met with a time of, I don't know if it was darkness or a time of confusion, a time of sadness, maybe a time where I just didn't really know what God was doing in my life. Um, before coming to Cayman, my wife and I, my family, we actually lived in Peru. We were missionaries down there for eight years. And my decision of going to Peru as a missionary was actually one of those times where I, I got to go on a short-term trip and it completely changed my life. Like I came back home and I couldn't, I couldn't continue living the way that I was living in the past. And I couldn't just pretend like I could close my eyes and forget about the faces that I saw and the need that I saw, it didn't let me sleep at night. And so I, I surrendered to God and I decided to go to Peru. I remember a few years after I was in Peru, we got to work with this really cool organization called Free Wheelchair Mission. And they've actually given out over a million wheelchairs for free to families who, who need a wheelchair. A lot of times in impoverished nations, that, that's the last thing that they could even dream of buying is a way to transport their loved, either child or mother, husband, to, from one place to another. And so usually that person stays in home, stays on a bed. So while we were in Peru, we got to partner with this awesome organization, and it let me meet a lot of incredible families. One family really sticks out, and it's this family that was living on the side of a mountain. It was about an hour outside of where we were living in Lima, and they didn't have much. It was a family of six, and their youngest son was actually the one that was disabled. Now, the mother was also, uh, she had a disability. She actually had polio, and she walked with a crutch because her left leg did not work at all, but the wheelchair was for the son, who was completely bedridden. Well... I met that family and immediately I just, I was so attracted to the, the warmth of the family because the mother, though she could have had many things to complain about, <laughs> living in a one-room house on the side of a mountain um, with her disability, with her son's disability, she was the one that was so thankful and, and joyous with our visit there. And God did some really crazy things with me and, and that family. He... Um, he always had them on my mind. And so one day when I was in the neighborhood, I decided to stop, pop in and, and see how they were doing. And I found that their house was in ruins, that there had been a rock slide that had completely taken out the house. And when I asked a neighbor what happened to the family, they said, no, they're living down on the side of the road near where they throw the, the garbage. <laughs> and I found the family and I saw them and the lady told me the story. And I was immediately then confronted with this, this feeling of, man, this isn't fair. <laughs> this isn't just. This, this should not happen to these people. They're, they seem like really nice people. And yet all these bad things have happened to them. 
man, I wish there was something that, that we could do or somebody should do something for them. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where you've, maybe you're watching the news and, and you hear a story and you are immediately just filled with this almost like uh, anger of injustice. Honestly, I, I rarely watch the news anymore just because I, I get so tired of it. I get tired of feeling that way. I get tired of just wanting to close my eyes and say, you know what, enough. I, I, we just sang this awesome song about God's reckless love that just covers the whole earth, and yet we live in this world that just it doesn't, seem like it sometimes. There's a guy in the Bible named Nehemiah. I think he also was in a similar position, even though his position was so much stronger than the one that I was in. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Nehemiah. It's um, right after the book Ezra. And if you don't have a Bible, on these black chair pockets, you can pick up one of these. And this one right here, it's on page 342. Nehemiah is known to be an exceptional leader. He, he did incredible things. And he was in a, a position that, that sounded strange. He was the cupbearer to the, a foreign king, but yet God used him in a special way. And so I want to dive right into the book. And Nehemiah 1, verses 1 through 3. Now it happened, or the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Let's pray. God, we, we are encountered so many times with a broken world, and we, we're challenged in our very soul to know what to do. God, I pray that you would show us what to do, that you would give us the strength, that you would show us just what it is that you want us to do. You've given us so many blessings, God, and you've given us so many opportunities to be the answer that maybe somebody's praying for. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the scripture. I pray that we would learn from Nehemiah and that you would teach us what we need to be taught today. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I kind of just jumped into the scripture. Let me give you a little bit of a, a background. This is happening after the kings of Israel and Judah. This is, you know, after King David, after the, when the, the country split in two, and things just started going really bad for them. They were going really bad for them because they made really poor choices. They kept on following other gods or just living like there was no God, and bad things happened to them. <laughs> Eventually... The Babylonians came and they tore down Jerusalem. Um, you might have remembered the story of King Nebuchadnezzar who came in, he burned down the temple, they broke down the walls, and then he took certain Jews with him, like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those guys. They were over in Babylon. A little later, time goes by, 
and Persia now comes in and they conquer Babylon. And so now Persia is the ruling country. And that's where we find Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. Now, Whenever Persia conquered Babylon, they actually allowed a lot of Jews to return to Israel. They allowed them to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. It's an amazing story of God's grace of how he put it in in the king's heart to allow them to go do that. And he actually financed some of that as well. But things didn't go well for them. The Jews returned It took them over two years to build the altar of the temple and then another 15 years or so to actually build a temple. And they were still living in a sort of like, they didn't have walls, they didn't have anything constructed. Anybody could just come in and take whatever they had. And they lived that way for 100 years. And Nehemiah, he had never been there. He was born in exile and he was a cupbearer to the king. And so one day... He has a brother come, or some relative, and and they start telling him what is actually happening back in his hometown. And he is immediately saddened. He he wonders, you know, why why did this have to happen? You know, they they had all the resources they needed. They had their homeland, but they're, they're living poor lives. They're living in fear of their enemies because they have no way to defend themselves. And so Nehemiah, he does something very interesting. And I think that we should all take note of what he does. And let's continue with the first chapter from verse 4 through 11. This is what Nehemiah does. He prays. It says this, chapter 1, verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them Though your outcasts are in the utmost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. There your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Now, in this chapter, chapter one of Nehemiah, there's a lot going on. And I think that if we could just take a little pause to examine this prayer that Nehemiah had, I think it can can teach us a lot. Because when Nehemiah was encountered with this news, he immediately felt sad. And it's probably something that kept him from sleeping at night. It was probably constantly weighing on his mind 
It says here that he prayed day and night and that he wanted God to give him mercy in the sight of this man. He was talking about the king because he was cupbearer to the king. So he did decide to do something about the situation whenever he heard that his hometown was in ruins. He decided to pray. I think so many times that can be one of the last things that we decide to do. Usually if nothing else works, then we resort to prayer. When it should definitely be the first thing. And so I want to examine this prayer that that Nehemiah has. And you could break it into six or more stages or steps or whatever you want to call it. But quickly, we're just going to go through it. And stage one or step one would be to feel overwhelmed. Now, in verse four, let's read it again. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. When, when I hear that about Nehemiah, it automatically shows me his heart, his heart for his people. Have, have you ever, I ask myself the same question, have, have I ever just broken down and wept and mourned for the plight of another person? It's usually my own life, my own problem that I'm crying about. But this is about somebody else. This is, this is people that he probably hasn't met. He might have a distant connection with them, but he was, he was weeping. And, and he identified that it was such, it was such a, a, an intense task for him to do. Step two, stage two. Let's identify who you're praying to. Nehemiah had to identify who God was. And we can find that in verse five. It says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, this wasn't just a dear God opening. This wasn't just a our father. It was, I am gonna know who I'm talking to. <laughs> this is the God of the universe. The God that just spoke the word and it was done. The God that breathes stars out of his mouth. The God that, that is in control of every aspect. I'm going to know who I'm talking to. So many times we can enter into prayer and it's not that you have to be formal with God, but you need to realize who God is for us to actually understand what he can do. God is... is the Alpha and the Omega, and, and when we pray to the creator of the universe, he, he, he really is faithful in everything that he has promised. And Nehemiah recognized that. Stage three is identify who you are. Verses six and seven say, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. He's recognizing that he is a sinner. I think we got to recognize that, yes, we, we are bought and we are paid for. Our sins are covered by the blood of Christ, but we, we still come to God acknowledging our sin and acknowledging that we are in so much need. Without him, what are we? We're nothing without him. 
He had to identify that because it was the beginning to, for, for him to understand that he needed God to move on his behalf. Stage four is to remember the promises. Remember the promise that God has for you. And in order for us to remember the promise, we need to know what his promise says. We need to know what the Bible says. And I think that he was recalling words from Moses in the past. And in Deuteronomy 30, it says this. In the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I've listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord God has exiled you, Take to heart all these instructions. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul all the commands that I've given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He'll have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. Now, Nehemiah wasn't a priest, <laughs> He wasn't a scribe, but he knew what God's word said. And he knew that Moses had, had written this down over a thousand years ago. I mean, think about it. Moses, he brought the people out of Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years. And then they were about to go into the promised land. And this is one of the final things that Moses said before he died. Was saying, you know what? In the future, things are going to go bad. But if you return to God, if you remember his commandments, then he will bring you back. It's important for us to know what God's word says. It's important for us to search them for ourselves, not just, not just for a post on social media and not just for, you know, on Sundays, but we need to know them because they interact in our prayers and, 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 it, and it influences what we choose to do with our life. So we got to know what the word of God says. Stage five is acknowledge your utter dependence on God to act. In 10 and 11, it says, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. I think that it's, it's so important for us to, to whenever we have these prayers and, and this time where you know, we know that God is, is pushing us to do something that we depend on God to do it. He's not psyching himself up for a battle. He's not saying, you know what, I got this, I can do this. He's saying, God, without you, this is impossible, and I need you to work on my behalf. Now, I want to read a little bit of the second chapter now, and we're going to get to the, the final stage. But it says this in, in chapter 2. After it says, now I was cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. When I was, then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? 
Now, a lot of times when we read through the scripture, we can, we can miss an important detail. And the important detail is our sixth and final stage that we find in this prayer, and that is to wait. <laughs> now, in, in the version that I just read, the ESV, um, it mentions the name of a month, and we don't really recognize that month in the English language. But whenever we read in a different version, like in the NLT, I want to compare what chapter 1, 1 and what chapter 2, 1 says again. This is what it says in 1, 1 at the beginning of the book. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev. And in what it says in chapter 2, 1, that early the following spring in the month of Nisan. Meaning there was a period of time whenever Nehemiah first got the news and when he actually shared that with the king. Now, why is that important? <laughs> it's important because you know that this was something that wasn't just like a spur-of-the-moment decision. How so many times, you know, we see something on TV or, or we hear something and we just want to do something. and We want to do it fast. We need to problem-solve now. But Nehemiah took the time to pray. And that's so important because... How do you know when God is calling you to something? It'll never leave you alone. <laughs> It'll keep you up at night. It'll always be in your mind and always come back to you and always just continue to, to eat away at your reality. <laughs> you try to, to replace it with something else, and sometimes we achieve that. But if you, if, you, if you were to recall it again, then it's always something that's telling you that you should, somebody should do something about it. Many times, God's plan is there and his direction is there, but the person is not there yet. <laughs> Let me see if I can explain this with an example of, of Moses, you know. He knew he needed to help God's people, and he was, he was like the king's son. He was like Pharaoh's son, and he wanted to help God's people. He felt this, this calling to do that, but he ends up killing a guy and then running off to the wilderness for 40 years as a shepherd. He had the right idea or the right beginning, but he wasn't ready for it. We look at Joseph and how he had this dream of his brothers and the sun and moon bowing down to him and how he, he had the vision of God, but he wasn't ready for it. <laughs> he had to spend 13 years as a slave or prisoner in Egypt. You know, a lot of times we have this vision or we have this dream from God and, and it's valid and it's there, but, but we need to mature. We need to get ready. God, God is preparing us, and he's preparing us to do what it is that he's called us to do. And a lot of times that happens in waiting, and waiting and seeing how God prepares them. I, I really do have to admire Nehemiah's passion. I mean, a hundred years had gone by, and nobody had the, the bravery or the courage or the wisdom to do what he did. Now, to give you a little spoiler, he does go, and he does rebuild the walls, and they do it in 52 days, and it's an incredible feat, because when you think about, you know, the ruins, and everything was 
was bricks on the ground or broken rock, and he went there and he was able to do it, it was definitely God. And God had prepared that certain man for that certain time to do that. And, you know, I, I, I want to ask myself, you know, is there something that God has for me to do, like Nehemiah? You know, is he preparing me for a certain time and a certain place for me to do something for him? And I, I want to ask myself four questions from this text, and I encourage you to ask yourself the same questions. And um, I think that if we want to live a life that, that actually has impact in the world, we need to be asking ourselves these questions. So the first question I want to ask myself is, do I see what God sees? Do I see what God sees? Does, does what breaks God's heart also break mine? <laughs> do I see just the, the injustice in the world and what sin has done to this world? And does it just make me sick? Or do I simply prefer to close my eyes and, or turn my head and say, you know what, I, I prefer not to get into that. You know, I'm having a pretty good day right now. I... <laughs> Things are going pretty well for me. I don't want to hear it. That's what Nehemiah could have done. He could have heard the story and been like, you know what? That sounds really tough. But I got my own gig going on here. I'm serving wine to the king. I'm kind of like his advisor. And so things are going well for me. I think that we do need to open our eyes to the world's trouble. We do need to see that slavery still exists. We do need to see what human trafficking has done to our world. We need to know what is happening in the world around us. We cannot close our eyes. Because if we do, then we're not able to do anything about it. <laughs> I need to know if, if I see what God sees. The second question I want to ask myself is, am I seeking God for counsel and for strength? Now, a lot of times in our good-natured heart, we, we, we want to solve a problem, and we might hear of something that's going on, and we're quick to want to solve that with maybe opening up our wallet or, or doing something short-term, <laughs> You know, Nehemiah was in a position where he could have gone to the king and said, you know what, I, I would really appreciate it if you helped out my brothers or if you helped out my hometown. I think that we could send, you know, we could send them some bricks, we could send them some lumber. He could have organized a package to go over to Jerusalem. He could have said, hey, you know what, let's send some architects over there. And a lot of times we, we want to solve the problems under our own strength and we're not actually going to God and asking him, what is it that I should be doing? You know, when we're confronted with these images of, of, of pain or of suffering, I think that we should all ask God, am I doing what I should be doing about it? Or have you called me to do something about it? Have you called me to 
or, you know, we should invest time and prayer to God about the suffering world around us. You know, it wasn't an easy task that Nehemiah had to do. He knew that there were surrounding villages that mocked them constantly, that wanted to spew lies about them, that wanted to see the Jewish people fail. But he decided to do something that was harder than just, than just trying to solve it by himself. He went to God and he asked him what he could do. The third question I want to ask myself is am I sharing God's vision or am I acting alone? A lot of times we, when we feel this, this burden or this calling from God, we want to kind of keep that to ourselves. And I'm not really sure why, or maybe it's just me. But a lot of times we, we feel these things and we feel like we have to do it and, and it's not anybody else's burden or calling, so it must be my responsibility to see that it's done. But they could have never built that wall in 52 days if Nehemiah would have just stayed silent. It would have taken one man decades or an entire lifetime or more than that to build the wall. But Nehemiah was able to go to them and, and kind of like open up their eyes to their own pain and say, listen, we, we can do something about this. If God is on our side, if we, if we follow his instructions for what he's, he's laid out for us, we can change this. So a lot of times when we share God's vision, that makes us even more of a, it makes us a leader. That's what it makes us. He was automatically made leader whenever he started speaking up for other people. The final question I want to ask myself is, is what I'm attempting to do only possible with God's hand on me? You know, so many times we want to, we, we wonder, you know, what is it that we're living for? If you are here last week or if you heard on the radio this morning, Pastor Brett spoke on, you know, are you serving God or are you serving your own stuff? <laughs> Do you want just to make a name for yourself? Do you want to just make a large bank account for yourself? Or are you, are you, you know, actually serving God and want to do something about it? I got to ask myself that, you know. Is the life that I'm living able to be done without God? And if I'm honest about it, 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 can, it can really kind of <laughs> damage this, this comfortable life that I want to build. You know, a lot of times it's, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take tough decisions if you're actually going to follow the instructions of God. You know, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't comfortable for Nehemiah, and I, I think that the only way he was able to do it was because he was a man of prayer. You know, if we were to go through Nehemiah and you were to take your highlighter and you wanted to highlight out of all the different chapters, I believe there's 11 or 12 chapters in Nehemiah, 13. If you were to go through the 13 chapters of Nehemiah, you would see that he stopped and he prayed 14 times, or at least that's how many times are recorded in and, and his writing. And just some of, he, he prayed in every single situation. In Nehemiah 2, 4, whenever the king said, what is it that you want? It says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. And when the enemies threatened with spears and, and they spoke lies about Nehemiah, his response was in Nehemiah 6, 9, that 
It says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now God, strengthen my hands. In Nehemiah 5.19, it says, remember me with favor, my God, for all I've done for these people. Nehemiah prayed for God to give him favor. (laughs) It wasn't about what other people would say about him. It wasn't about what other people would do for him. He asked for God to remember him. And he asked, God, you're the one that can do this. You're the one that's going to reward me for it as well. <laughs> I want to live like that. And so, as I finish, I, I just, I want to ask you, does Nehemiah's life make sense when it is lined up with your life? I see so many different ways that I need to be more like Nehemiah. I want to speak up for those that have no voice. I want to I wanna be the voice for those that, that are silent. And I think that God has positioned each one of us to do that. I mean, we, we are all different. And that's for a reason. It's because there's so many different problems in the world. And we keep on wondering, well, who's going to fix it? <laughs> who's going to do something about it? And God might be calling us to do it. So as I pray, I I just want you to pray yourself. God, have you called me to do something? And if so, what should I do? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you are so good to us. I thank you that even though we we live in a world that, that has fallen, God, you have given us strength and you have given us the ability to do things by your Holy Spirit and by the the power of of your word, Lord. I pray that we would take hold of that. That it wouldn't be anything that that we would say, you know what, it's it's really not my place to do it, or it's maybe somebody else will do it. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us and show us what it is that we need to do. God, I pray for those people that are, that are struggling with that decision and because they know how much it will cost them. But Lord, I pray that you would just bless them abundantly and show them that it is far greater to serve you than to attain anything else, Lord. I pray that you would help us today. In your name we pray, amen.